0: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, with Dave, Honky, Boomer and Redcast Rob.
1: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky.
2: Redcast Nation has officially passed La Vista to become the 12th largest city in Nebraska, and you're next, North Platte. We're coming for you.
1: How much further is North Platte away from us? It's
2: quite a ways. Uh, We're just over 16,700 now, but we have to hit like 23,000. So uh, people, you know. All right. Well, since
1: we're uh, like practically YouTube TV versions or whatever it is, maybe maybe we can make some big gains with
3: uh, the YouTube streaming. All right. Sounds good. Also, Redcast, Rob. Hey, guys. Look, I'm just going to put it out there right now. I am so sick and tired of everyone saying that all I'm doing is drinking the Kool-Aid. All right. That's just not the way it is. Rob is drinking (laughs) Kool-Aid.
0: The podcast is so much better with live-streamed. Also with Boomer. Well, I just want uh, Rob to know I didn't let anyone in the public know that you were podcasting with a broken jaw for several months last season. So you're able to
3: spill that to everybody in the public first. So no worries here. (laughs) Dave can never get me to shut up. You'd be surprised that was even true. Yeah. I wish I gave him the broken
1: jaw. <laughs> uh, well, uh, honk, uh, we've got, got some football to cover and I think we'll do a baseball preview. It sounds like um, we did have uh red Rob do a uh, interview with uh, one of our incoming uh, transfer recruits. Rob, you want to tell us all about that?
3: Um, yeah. I interviewed Kevin Williams jr. Yesterday. He's um, well, he's, kind of preparing himself to play either tackle or guard on the offensive line. Um, But one thing I can say is that he is a 100% starter in the confidence division. Um, You know, he wants to come in and make a difference on this team right away. He's a, you know, local kid out of Omaha, went to a couple different high schools out there and then played for UNC locally here in Greeley. And, you know, he just gave us some really good insight. Uh, It's definitely worth a listen um, he talked a lot about the off-season programs that they've been doing, kind of, I don't want to call them games, but some of the in-team competitions that they're doing, some of the early morning run stuff. He's he's loving the fact that there's an indoor facility. That, um, you know, he talked a little bit about the meal program. And then it was kind of cool. He he gave us some really good insight into um you know, his family life and kind of what they they do for the Omaha community um, from a mental health perspective. Um, his dad's business, working with teens between the age of 14 and 19, um, you know, and helping them kind of, instead of getting work through the system, working through the system, we'll call it. And Rob, it was
2: interesting timing too, because after he got done with our interview, that's when he ended up being interviewed by what, Husker. Husker is basically the, the social media for uh, the
3: athletic department.
2: Cause then they posted a video of him that what he did like an hour after our interview, or
3: something like that. Yeah. And, and uh, it, it's funny cause you know, he says a lot of the same things he said on ours. So, you know what he's no he's, I will say that if the other guys on the team have half of the positive attitude about what the Huskers are going to look like this year, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, maybe I'm just drinking the Kool-Aid <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, we do know, Rod, that you're definitely drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> that that I am certain of. Um, uh, hockey uh, other Husker football related uh, news that you want to cover today?
2: Well, I, you know, I think something that kind of ties in with what uh, the interview with Kevin talked about quite a bit was the aggressiveness that we're going to see with the offense. And there were some articles, and I know that we read them over the last week, um, one where uh, they interviewed – uh, former Husker offensive lineman and Creighton prep coach Bob Sledge. He's also the dad of Husker football target Sam Sledge, all offensive lineman, right? And Bob, any any Husker fan that remembers him from back in the '80s, you know, he was all conference, uh, a great player for us. And, anyways, he talks about Rayola's style being old school, you know, physical football. There, it's about getting off the ball, staying low, striking a guy, and just driving him. And this particular quote really uh, struck me was all of his drills are at least 10 yards. And I think about, you know, some of the different uh, coaches clinics that I've been to also under uh, when Austin was the coach, you know, you have a lot of things that are right at the line of scrimmage hand placement, you know, one yard kind of kind of drills where you're hitting somebody you're punching. And those are all important, you know, skills and drills to be doing too. But the idea that these drills are going to be 10 yards, man, we're about driving people, we're moving them out of the way. We're not just zone blocking you and having a, a running back cut off you we're going to just physically move you out, out of the spot that you're in right now and holy smokes i mean talking to i guess i was listening in on it yesterday uh for, gave rob the uh you know the, the the limelight there and he deserved it he set all that up but um but to have kevin Basically, say all those same things, mirroring what his coach is talking about. He loves to play that style of football. That's what a guard plays. He said he talks about if he's a tackle, you know, then there's a little bit different skill sets there. He'd have to lose some weight if he wanted to get to be that tackle spot, but he thinks he can do that too. But in in the middle, in the guard spot is where you can just you're just being a you know a hulk basically and, and throwing guys around. So um, I just thought that was really interesting, and and for us, that's bringing that physical football back. And one of the things that we asked at the very end that is also important, Dave, to the Redcast and has been since the beginning is recruiting in-state kids and recruiting local. And we asked him about, um, you know, what it meant, you know, for Frost in the last week to send his entire coaching staff to the Omaha coaches clinic that they had uh, Wednesday night a week ago. And what a big deal that is that, you know, that's, a, that's a, sh- a sign. That's showing that we're doing something a little different than what we've been doing in the past. That's how important it is. And he talked about it. He's like, yeah, the, the talent in this town, or in this city, this metro area for football, for basketball, it's crazy, and we can't be losing it. And uh, I'm just really glad that we've got Kevin Williams here in Lincoln this year.
3: One of the things that, that he said, too, and um, did, I, I was listening, but I don't remember if you mentioned, but he was just saying that there was some animosity from him too uh, about it because he was recruited uh, or wasn't recruited by Nebraska coming out of high school and he Mm -hmm. felt some animosity and that was just kind of some of the feelings that he was having towards the program even when Frost and them were sitting in his living room recording him or recording recruiting him and uh, even though it wasn't them recruiting him, and even though it wasn't him and he said that he had to he had to convince himself you know that that was the case that he was you know that that was the previous regime they he can't blame them for that but he also he also gave some pretty good indications that um, a lot of kids are starting to feel the same way he's he does where they're starting to see that these guys really want to recruit in state so i thought that was positive
2: he wasn't he wasn't recruited by riley and staff which is why he went to unc in the first place also had some great issues there which he talked about at length about how important that is and uh, with some of the, the stuff that he does off the field, working with kids and everything is telling them how important it you know, getting the education piece is. But basically, yeah, that now when Frost was in here the second time around, he's he's back and he's ready to go for us.
1: You know, Honk, with uh, coaching changes, you know, when we're talking about at the top, typically it seems like sometimes a, a program will go from one style of coach to a, a completely different and the transition can be kind of – Kind of painful um, with a position coach situation here with offensive line and going from more kind of, this seems like a little more of a passive zone blocking type scheme that Greg Austin apparently adhered mm-hmm. to, which has been successful elsewhere. It, it's, it, you know, lots of devoted followers to that. Any more aggressive push you out of the way mentality that Dominic Raiola apparently, um, you know, believes in, do you feel like there's going to be any sort of transition for the players to really learn how to, um, you know, do what Dom is trying to ask them to do?
2: Well, what's interesting, Kevin made a statement, and I can't remember if it was on air, Rob, or if he said it before or after when we were listening in to him, but he made a statement about how doing this, this is what he was doing in high school. This is, you know, you're just plowing people over, and then you get to the college level, and you start learning some of the zone blocking, and, and it gets so technical in some of the things that they do to the point of where you lose some of the aggressiveness. And he talked about coming back here, playing, you know, co- being coached by, rayola and learning what he wants him to do and he's like this is like going back to high school for me that actually it's simplified it's brought back some of the fun some of the things that he really enjoyed doing to begin with i think this is an easier transition um to go than the other way if we were trying to go from you know kind of a man gap blocking to two zone and you're trying to teach that i think that's more of a stretch um i mean this is you're going to you're going to be physical. I can't say it. How many times you talked about, I guess, I guess what makes the team's going to feel us the next day. You just said that over and over
1: again. No, I mean, it's great to hear. I mean, I, I'd be excited to see that, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it does take an offensive line then that is bigger and stronger than the opposing defensive line. Um, And, and from a depth perception as well, um, you know, can, can you hold up the whole game that way? So Mm -hmm. I think that'll be really interesting to see if we, we can have the, the strength and conditioning for offensive line to play that way for four quarters against Big Ten uh, D linemen. And he talked
2: about the conditioning piece, which is exactly what they're going through right now and how important that is and how much the running that they're doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, this isn't just being strong and physical and pushing somebody. You're going to be moving around and that can be everything from pulling outside and and getting downfield on guys. They're going to ask plenty of them. One of the things that is interesting to me, and I don't know the answer to this yet, when you first started asking that, when you talk about like going from one coach to the next and sometimes it's the, they they bring in not just somebody that schematically is different, but somebody that is their personality wise. Their yeah. personality is different. Yeah. I don't know right now how different yeah. Rayola is from Austin. I just I don't know. I don't really know either of them well enough to to get oh, that. Oh really? Deep into you don't it. know
1: them that well. I'll be darned.
2: But. <laughs> I would say that both of them seem to kind of be more quiet and under the radar kind of coaches to begin with. So yeah. I don't think I'm, I'm making a guess here, but I don't think it's going to be some huge leap for the guys to adjust to Rayola from that perspective, just from how, you know, he, he acts and talks and everything in the in the room.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of Omaha recruiting uh, Boomer, I saw today that um, I think it's Zach Flores, the, the Gretna quarterback. Just got offered by Oklahoma State, which I think he already had K-State. So now he has two power mm-hmm. five offers from old uh, Big 12 foes. Uh, but we still don't have Nebraska offering him. That's It is interesting. Um, you know, I mean, obviously you can't take everyone all, every single year, but it is uh, kind of intriguing to see him with two power five offers now and
0: and not one from the home state. Yeah, and uh, I will be curious to see if that offer does get extended. I suppose it kind of depends what we think we have in the quarterback room. And uh, what, what class is he, 2023? 2023. What yeah, be, yeah. Okay. we have a couple of their targets, obviously. Yeah, yeah so, so I, I don't know if that's how they're going to play that. Just kind to see how the other targets pan out first and then, you know, offer. Like you said, you can't take everybody. And sometimes just the local guy isn't what you need at the time. So, But yeah. it's worth keeping an eye on, like I said, once you're starting to get those, those bigger offers, then, Yeah. yeah.
1: It, Honky, I mean, I could imagine that they might be waiting to actually see um, him him throw in person at one of their camps or something. But, I mean, obviously you don't want to see him slow play him either if you think he's qualified for for a scholarship.
2: Yeah, because I don't know if K-State or Oklahoma State's had a chance to see him in a camp either, right? And they pulled the trigger. And I don't know that we've had a chance to see every single guy at every position that we ever, you know, offer either. I can tell you this right now, and I've got it in front of me, the 2023 class of in-state offers and commits so far – we have two in-state commits, uh, Gunnar Goshula, the offensive lineman from Lincoln Southeast, Benjamin Bramer, the tight end from Pierce. So right away, we already have two commits, and neither of them are from the Omaha Metro, and I, I want to separate that for a second. This is just this is more of an exercise to show the depth in this state and where they're coming from. So you have a Pierce guy and, and the Lincoln Southeast guy. We have a couple offers out to a couple of Omaha area guys. Uh, both of them legacies. Maverick Noonan from Elkhorn South. He's a defensive end, outside linebacker. Sam Sledge. I mentioned him earlier. Son of Bob Sledge from Creighton Prep. 6'4", 265. We also have an offer out to Lincoln East wide receiver Malachi Coleman. Six. I think he's like a six five receiver. Okay, so that's five guys right now. We also there's a good chance I think we'll at some point have an offer out to Lincoln High wide receiver Benny Nagoy, six foot four scotts bluffs offensive tackle brock Newton, is six seven he has offers from colorado state iowa state kansas north dakota state and i know he's on the radar and that wouldn't shock me at all if, if by the end of the year he has one and then on top of that uh gretna's same floor is the quarterback uh, that you're talking about that has offers right now from k-state and oklahoma state so that's eight kids and it, they're all across the state literally from scotts bluff and up to pierce and Lincoln is finally getting back into the, the mix there with three, two, three guys that are mentioned. And yeah. So it's not just Omaha, but Omaha is hugely important, as Coach Frost and staff showed a week ago, going down there in the with their coaches clinic. But I mean, it's a all hands on deck approach to get this state. And if you get this state, I mean 2024, Caleb Benning and Daniel Kalen and Devon Hall, 2025, Tyson Terry, and Christian Jones already. This staff is sending the offers out and uh you know, those in-state kids, I mean, get to camps here and get yourself, get your film scene. The staff wants to look at you.
3: So I'm curious too, and this is more of a question for you guys because you guys follow the recruiting a lot more, but you're saying that there's all these kids that are starting to get offers from D1 schools in the state of Nebraska, right? And that there's a lot of talent that's showing there. How much pressure do you think some of these other schools are having to offer these kids so early because they know that Frost and company are starting to look at those kids more right and they know that you know if they put off offering these kids too long that they may just get snatched up quicker by Nebraska
1: it's hard to say I mean K-State typically seems to get one guy from us almost every year every other year at this point so yeah, yeah St- I don't
2: Stinger from Millard was going to K-State before Nebraska offered the uh, Columbus SCOTUS kid this last year the tight end I uh, for the life of me I can't remember his name and you know that's my alma mater and it was he, he went to k-state, <laughs> went to K-State? So, yeah he's up that's a yeah. power
1: five offer scholarship
2: kid yeah i mean the, the city of columbus had two kids last year go power five dave columbus High's, uh houseman obviously is at nebraska so there's plenty of, there is talent in the state you definitely have to go and uh you know identify it and go after it. i will say i don't think that oklahoma state and kansas state are offering kids if they don't you know, they're not just offering early just for the sake of it, and they're not trying to make us look bad by doing it. I mean, they obviously – they're sending an offer out because they think that this this kid can play for them, they think that these Nebraska kids can play for them when they offer them. So, uh, you know, nobody's scared to come in here and offer a kid. They'll, they'll do it. They've seen enough times now where, where someone's left. But um, I like at least what we've done up to this point to get, get ourselves ahead of the game. And it'll be interesting with Flores. I don't know. I mean, you, there could be an offer coming for them. Mickey Josephs made it very clear that you know we're not going to just let teams come in and, and take our guys right. and you know without a fight, and so we'll see what happens. I guess.
1: I, yeah, I, I mean, Iowa, a, Iowa notoriously has come in and gotten Nebraska uh, kids for you know a decade or, or more under friends, uh, oh, but sure. not last year, right? I mean, th- that was the year that they did not get anybody from Nebraska last year, right? Not as in like in, this class. I mean, I yeah, the not before, this class. A year ago, Ben Keegan Johnson but not this year.
2: Yep. That is correct. Yep. Speaking of quarterback, uh, we had our, our mailbag last week, Dave, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a late mailbag question. Jim in Minnesota wanted to, wanted me to ask this. And uh, he goes, this is a late mailbag question, but how differently would we view Logan Smothers in relation to this quarterback starting job battle? Since we all think that he'll transfer out. This is what he wrote that, that he'll transfer out. If he had successfully QB'd us to a win versus Iowa. So, you know, in the first half, I think he was like five for five. He started off hot. We were ahead of Iowa in the first half. You know, if if he goes on the full game, we beat Iowa by 10 points or whatever. Would we view the quarterback competition differently right now? Would we view Logan differently, in your opinion, kind of coming off of that game? but Obviously, we didn't win it. So, you know, now all of a sudden people just assume it's it's Thompson or just assume it's Purdy.
1: Maybe Boomer has a different opinion, I guess, here, but I guess I feel like the initial reaction is going to be more emotional. Right. And you're going to, you're going to be like, we, he beat Iowa. Of course he's our starting quarterback next year, or he's, he's their parent or whatever. Right. Um, But then I think at least fans like us that are going to actually pay attention to the stats and and really think more analytically about um, how his performance played out and, and, and maybe, you know, really evaluate that for what it was would probably be a little more tempered, I guess. Right. I mean, winning the games important, don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. We haven't got enough of those in the last two years. So I think it would make a difference to Jim's question. Would it be enough to be like, well, no, let's not worry about anybody else And Logan's be a quarterback or he's a quarterback after Casey Thompson's one year here. I don't know about that. I mean, I feel like they'd made the right move in getting more competition in that room. Mm. And I, I, I think Logan's brothers isn't going to transfer immediately. I sure hope he doesn't because I think he can compete um, for if not the starting job, at least the, the second spot this year. And uh, we'll go from there.
0: Yeah. Beating Iowa would have been nice, but you know, at the end of the day, we would have still been a four and eight team. Um, and I think if you still go out and bring in somebody like Casey Thompson, he becomes the, you know, the shiny new object that everybody sees with the, all the star ratings and, coming from a, you know, program like Texas where he puts up lots of numbers. I think people would have been excited for that regardless. You know, it's just human nature to, to kind of want that next thing. You know, the grass is greener with this new guy coming in.
2: It's crazy though. You, you mentioned that, you know, he, we would have just been a four and eight team, but look, we brought in Casey Thompson and he didn't come from some eight and four or nine and three. Oh yeah. Like I'm himself. well aware of that. Yeah, All, albeit sure. We understand yeah. why Texas didn't go nine and three and it wasn't because Casey Thompson put up, Poor numbers against you know Oklahoma, where he had five touchdowns, or all seven touchdowns scored against Kansas in a loss. You know, it's not about that, but it's it's just interesting that uh, you know today's point. I think yeah, you still are going to go after depth. There's no doubt. If he if you felt really strong about some others, do you only go after one quarterback versus two? I don't know. I mean, that maybe is the discussion, but I don't think the discussion would have been, "Hey, we beat Iowa and now there's no need to." Nope, we're good. You know, no need to to bring in anybody else. I don't think it would have been that. That kind of discussion, either.
0: Yeah. And it would have been cool... interesting if if they would have just gone for, you know, Casey Thompson, more limited time. Or do you try to find somebody like Purdy who's going to be here theoretically a lot longer in that case if you only went after one? So, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it's interesting hypothetical, but that's all it is at this point, sadly. All right, Honk. Uh, other
1: football related news you want to tackle here before we turn to baseball? One other thing,
2: and then maybe a little bit of social media, but I've read a couple of different articles this last week, and it was talking about the changes that have been going on in the big 10 specifically in teams that are on our schedule to not just the big 10 teams. I mean, Oklahoma's switch coach and coordinators and everything. And we focus so much on our own team for all the obvious reasons, but you know, how unique is it that we have a new coordinator? Now we're replacing some of these position coaches and a grand total right now, there are two new head coaches, four schools with entirely new sets of coordinators and 13 new coordinators, some of which have not been hired among Nebraska's 11 FBS opponents. Let me be clear there. Among our 11 FBS opponents, that's what what it is. Two new head coaches, four schools with entirely new sets of coordinators, 13 new coordinators, and some of them haven't been hired yet. Overall, 11 of 14 Big Ten schools are replacing at least one coordinator. And uh, kind of the outlier to this, and no shocker, no changes for Iowa and no changes for Northwestern. So Nebraska's first and last game of the season next year, uh, there's no changes in – At least at the coordinator level.
0: Well, when you have offensive output the way Iowa and Northwestern do, you don't want to muck with that formula. Yeah. I was going to say, there's
2: Hawkeye fans that could, that were probably wishing that there would be a little bit of change, at least on the (laughs) offensive side, right? But, you know, so we focus on, you know, wow, this is change and what is change going to look like? And how do we, you know, that it's unsettling when you're trying to predict the next season. But literally, you look at the Big Ten right now, there's change everywhere. We are far from being unique in that sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Boomer, I think we had a, a YouTube comment.
0: Yes, uh, one of our loyal listeners, uh, Benjamin Dangle, he was commenting on uh, the Flores situation. He said, uh, that we have two other quarterbacks on the board ahead of Flores with Avery Johnson and JJ Cole. So, mm-hmm. say so to can't offer everybody. So, no, well, I mean, I, I think it's, it's
1: absolutely true. I mean, I think Avery Johnson's from Kansas, actually, sure, right? Um, and, and is high on other people's boards. JJ Cole is from. I want to say he's from Wisconsin just because of that last name, but I don't think that's the case. Um, is he from – gosh, I don't remember where he's from. But, Iowa? Is he from Iowa? Yeah, that might be the case. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think you have to be be cautious there. I mean, I guess – I'll throw yeah. this to Honky. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, if you think Flores is, is good enough to get a scholarship and he's in-state and the only reason you're not offering him is because you only have room for one quarterback in this class um, – I, I think they should rethink that because if you got a local kid who is going to be in the program and is less likely to transfer out um, and maybe, you know, goes through a, a few more years before he actually really has to start before he feels like, you know, he's like, Oh, this is a bust. And he he moves on. Uh, that's going to be someone like Flores I'm thinking. Right. Yeah. Whereas, and so I, I, in that instance, I think you take two quarterbacks in a class because you have a local kid that, that is, is worthy of it. Right. And you have um, depth that actually can, you know, learn the system and actually be in it for multiple years. Yeah. JJ Cole's from Ankeny, Iowa. And
2: then the other yeah. one is, is from Kansas. So, I mean, they are 500 mile radius QBs, but yeah, my only point ever with in state kids, you can't offer them all. And I've never said you you can, or that you should, um, if they're worth offering you offer, you don't slow play them. And so that's all I've ever said about it. And that's not in direct Uh, I'm not directing that at at floors or any one particular player. It's just if they're worthy of what the coaching staff is looking at for the position, then you do it. So we'll see. I mean, I I haven't evaluated film of floors or anything. I'm in no position to sit there and say they should be offering the kid or not. And I'm pretty sure that the staff under, you know, knows who he is. So that's, that's good too. I don't think they're intentionally not offering right. I'm looking more at trends and the trends of what they're doing, sending that staff down to Omaha, the trend that they're doing, with all the offers that I just mentioned already, basically in the 2023 class going into 24, going into 25, you know, Rob bringing Kevin Williams back from Northern Colorado. That wasn't just a, a transfer portal guy. That's, that's bringing a guy from Omaha North and the value in that. And we talked about that a little bit after we even got done talking with them yesterday is, you know, there's a lot of other kids in that area too, that where he's like, Oh yeah, man, there's so much talent up here in this area. And they're starting to hear again from the staff and, Again, this is all a forward-looking thing. I don't know what was, what was wrong two years ago or three years. I don't know why last year we lost those four Omaha kids. Each one, there's unique stories, and that's what recruiting is about. There's unique reasons why each individual kid makes the decision they make. But at the very least, you know, we're, we're never going to lose a kid because, because we didn't try hard enough to get them. And I, I think that's what Mickey Joseph has made enough statements about, and that's what we're on. Um, I got a little bit of social media for you, Dave. And we had three different uh, – polls that kind of went out in the last week and you know it's appropriate that rob was drinking out of his kool-aid because we were getting some feedback you know we specifically we had (laughs) we had one guy uh he he wrote us an email and he said you know someone on your pod instead you know should instead of having red kool-aid stay on their lips be the adult and tell the truth now i'm not exactly sure what the truth is there but uh i took that as a great opportunity to have a poll on twitter and asked who that adult should be and 41 percent of Redcasters responded that they think Rob should be the adult in the room. Uh, 29% said Boomer, 20% said uh, Honky. And Dave, I think only 10% said you need to be the adult. I think it's it's probably because they already consider you the adult is what I would assume <laughs> it is, right? I mean, that's got to be it.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it, it's all about how you word the question, right? And actually how um, whoever that email was, I mean, it, they state that, you know, someone on your show is drinking too much Kool-Aid. Mm. And so – you could interpret that as like, well, that's Redcast Rob. He needs to adult
3: up because he's the one drinking too much Kool Aid. It's um, fair. That
2: and is one hundred percent fair.
3: I mean, in my defense, I'm not lying. All right, I I really feel the way that I feel, and um, you know, the truth really could hurt for a little while. But a lie hurts forever, and I can just tell you that <laughs> you know I'm it's not lying. I'm not lying. Well, thanks. I was actually reading quotes about truth on on the internet while we were doing this because I, I mean, they won't. The honesty. Rob's of all, ever
1: going to get it, it, it.
3: I mean, that's not true. Uh, in college, they used to call me Honest Rob, but <laughs> we we won't get into the reasons for that at, at right now. But in all reality, too, I I just I want to believe it's my truth. i'm trying not to laugh it It is and 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 yeah i do i got scarlet colored glasses as we used to to call that segment right but but the fact of the matter is is that um i feel like the team is really making all of the necessary changes that they're that they need to make to at least move this team in that direction right and like if all you're going to want to do is look at the negativity you know, I mean, there is a great quote. If we want to look at this, is that there's no reason to look to the past because the future's in front of you, right? And and that's just kind of the view that I'm taking right now about it all. And I don't and I don't think that that's an unfair perspective. But I do want to point out that if anyone is ever expecting me to be an adult, jump on the YouTube like while we're streaming and look behind me. I have freaking comic books stacked to the top of my wall and pictures of Spider Man. I mean. How much just of an one adult kid. are you that's really going? To, I really am. I am a big. I am going to be forty-eight in March, and I am a giant child. I really am. I am probably the least mature forty-eight-year-old you will ever meet in your entire life. <laughs> we can all agree with that. We yeah. all verify this. I, I just, I, and I'm not even embarrassed true. about it. It's like it's not even an insult to me, you know. Well, it's, an, another
2: social media question we had, and it, and it ties into this. Uh, I wanted to get some RedCast feedback. Uh, from the Redcasters, and basically, I was asking something along the lines of, you know, are we just right on the Kool Aid? Are we too optimistic? Are we not optimistic enough? And seventy uh, percent of you responded that we are just right on the Kool Aid. Uh, only eighteen percent said that we're too optimistic, and twelve percent think that we're not optimistic enough. So, uh, for at least twelve percent of our, our viewers, you know, and what? listeners out there, Rob, you need to really.
3: I, you know, Kool-Aid, what? I'm going to start stepping it up 112% for that 12%, <laughs> you know, I'm going to add an extra 12% to it. Um, and, and I absolutely will continue to do that because um, I believe and I you believe. Right. And here's 78% the
1: last 8% thinks it's the right amount of Kool-Aid. Is that
2: right? Se- 70% think the right amount of Kool-Aid. 18% say we're too optimistic and 12% okay. say not optimi- optimistic enough. So
1: seven out of 10 Redcasters like we're, like we're, right. we're at.
2: We're right on. I like that. Hey, Dave, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. This is our last one. And this was our last, uh, we had some generation research and uh, gave them the options of, uh, I'll start from the oldest boomer, uh, the boomer, baby boomers from 1946 to 64, Gen X 1965 to 80, millennials 81 to 95 and Gen Z 1996 to 2010. What generations do you think listen to us the most? And give me your best percentage guess. You know, our listenership come from these those four groups. If you're older or younger in those
1: groups, I I didn't include. I'm, I'm guessing the millennials are the are the highest at like and they might make up forty percent of our audience. I don't know.
2: They are number two at thirty five percent. I'm gonna say it's Gen X, man. Gen X, sixty five to eighty, make up thirty nine percent. Ah, okay. All right. Who, who who gives us more? It's super close here. Who gives us more? Gen Z or the boomers? I'll go youngins or the oldins? Gen Z is 14% of our, our viewers and listeners are Gen Z, and the boomers are 13%. Um,
3: well, boomers actually 25%. Is 25% of the Red percent. Yeah. 25% in this Redcast. cast. Hey, I am so good at those percentages tonight.
1: Man. <laughs> <laughs> Math major Rob over
3: there. Man, it's all that. Eighth grade math I've been doing with my son lately.
2: That's what it is. So, Dave, it was
3: interesting.
2: It wasn't a heavy football week, but uh, you know, we as usual, we gotta start with with some football. But Dave, this is gonna be a week of doing something a little different here. We're actually gonna talk about another sport. Well,
3: and before we do that, and while we're on percentages and things like that, you know, a discount is a percentage of Mm -hmm. you know, something. And if you would like to receive a discount on Hale Varsity subscription, make sure you go to hailvarsity.com, enter Redcast when you check out and get a subscription. Uh, for those of you that are on our YouTube channel, Hale Varsity magazine comes out monthly. We'll send it right to your house and uh, you can uh, go through the articles. There's some great stuff in there. Um, you know, you've got Babcock, you've got Aaron Sorensen, um, you know, you, you've got All of the Hale Varsity riders on there, and it's it's actually a really good read, and only that, but I really like the high gloss cover that they send everything on Mm. as a as a uh, like a poster. It's almost like a comic book. Well, you know, as a guy who's in the (laughs) newspaper, as a as a guy who's in the newspaper slash. magazine industry himself and doing advertising it's a really nice publication um and then you can also go check out the merch on there and get yourself some redcast merch honky's got on a Redcast hat you can get the redcast sweatshirt um, and then we've also got a social media contest going on right now it's not really a contest but um one of the things that we're doing on facebook if you go to facebook is invite you know 10 or more of your friends And if you take a screenshot of you inviting those people, because when it's up there, you just got to grab a screenshot, a screen grab on your on your computer, your smartphone, and post it in the comments of the pin post on our Facebook page. At the end of February, when when the whole thing is done, I will take everybody who has entered that contest and I'm going to raffle off a couple of Redcast merchandise prices that um, I'm putting together myself. And send those out to you guys and I'll reach out to those people. And I may even go live on Facebook and, and uh give those away live on there. So um, you know, we're just trying to mix it up a little bit, but you know, feel free to go check that out. You know, Dave, I was thinking of I had like Wayne's
2: World, the, the movie in my head where it's like you tell 10 people and they tell 10 people <laughs> and they tend to they tell 10 people. Yeah, you know, I mean we're just the whole world will
3: know about the red Cup. and you that's, know, that's will, more math, actually. That's, we will that's catch more up with math. North Platte.
2: Dave, we will catch up oh, with yeah. North Platte real fast if Rob's.
3: <laughs> I say, coming.
1: watch out, New Delhi. Personally, <laughs> we're just going to blow
3: back. We're Tokyo, be the, we're, we're coming for a second. You. Large, yeah, watch out, Hong Kong. And now around the Van
1: Horn. All right. Well, let's uh, take this around the Van Horn and talk some Husker baseball. Uh, The Huskers do start their season here on uh, Friday afternoon, I believe, or evening down in uh, Texas, Huntsville, Texas in particular, in Sam Houston State, uh, four-game swing there. Uh, Spent quite a bit of time in Texas to start off the season. Um, Go to TCU. I see that's in Arlington, Texas. TCU's in Fort Worth, so I don't know if they're playing that in the old um, Texas Ranger ballpark or the new Texas Ranger ballpark or whatnot but they uh down there two straight weekends and then the third weekend also in arlington against ut arlington and a few other texas schools before they finally get home um in early march to play long beach state uh honky that's a a much different schedule than last year if you recall uh, we had an all big 10 conference schedule 44 games i believe all big 10 we did start in texas last year it was a bit delayed but we played uh, Purdue the first weekend I remember we started off pretty hot um, but um that was a, a very different season right yeah
2: yeah this is going to feel more like a back to normal schedule again yep. so obviously not just a all big Ten one. one um, it's hard for me right now I don't know what expectations I have there's there's changes on the mound right away I mean this this weekend they already announced uh, just today um, you know Kyle Perry is going to be starting on Friday against Sam Houston on Saturday righty shanaman and dawson mccarville and then on sunday righty braxton bragg uh boomer you love that name uh you know so we, we you know there, there's a break already from the
0: civil war reenactment to you know.
2: <laughs> but you know so there's there's already some changes there i'm curious you know we have a i think a co-worker eric is listening along and following along and he asked a number of questions last week during our mailbag section and we said we'd kind of wait a week on some of them um Dave, Boomer, you two specifically are kind of our baseball experts here. I'm going to go through coworkers, workers Eric's questions again. And, you know, with a little bit more time here and, and week to think about it, um, we'll start with what would you like to see in order to say they have a successful year? Dave, I'll start with you. And I know we kind of answered this last week, but again, we, we're this much closer. Friday is the, the first pitch. And, and now that we know what the, the rotation looks like, You know, what are some things that you think are in order for that successful year?
1: Yeah, you know, I was reading an article that I interviewed Will Bolt uh, just earlier today or yesterday, and he was talking about Big Ten play, right, and saying, like, you know, the perception and the reality of of Big Ten baseball has changed a bit. You know, we now are a multi-bid league, you know, three, four, five teams a year. Uh, You got to feel good about that. Um, when we came into the league in 2011, that wasn't the case. You're getting pretty much the conference champion, maybe, maybe one at large. Um, so, I mean, I, I think, you know, I mean, if you just take the approach of, if we can win the big 10, but not only does that automatically get us into the, the, the NCAA tournament, but uh, it puts us in a good position, you know, seating wise. Um, I think that's, that's where you go. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, Obviously, you you want to be more competitive, and build upon what we did last year in Fayetteville, not regional, but it starts by winning the Big Ten Conference.
2: You know, it's interesting. So we joined the conference in 2011, and I remember it being kind of a big deal when we got into the conference. The facilities that we had were were pretty much you know heads and tails above everybody, right? That were in the Big Ten, at least. You mentioned that it used to be a one or two bid league. Now it's a four to five bid league. What changed over those 10 years? Was it facilities getting better? Obviously, Indiana kind of in the mid 2000 teens, uh, you know, I had some of those uh, college world series teams leading up to Michigan going all the way to the the title series. But like, what is the difference? Why is Big Ten baseball so much better now than it was 10 years ago? And, And maybe what affected Nebraska have hopefully a positive effect on making it better?
1: Sure. Yeah, well, we didn't have a negative effect. I'll tell you that. I mean, mm-hmm. I do think where you see where, you know, we've, we've been a part of those multi-bid um, years into the NCAA tournament many times, right? I mean, like mm-hmm. probably what, probably five, six years now we've been, made it uh, since we've been in the Big Ten. Um, and really, I think for the last seven, I want to say something like that. So, I mean, it's definitely a part of it, but it is a facility upgrade. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and that comes from Big Ten TV money. Um, pretty much around the entire league, they all have um, new stadiums. There's a few that are still not quite um, up to up to par, but if you look at Indiana, um, Minnesota, Purdue, even Iowa has upgraded their facilities. Um, and they mm-hmm. also not only have new stadiums, but they also have indoor training facilities, um, so they can practice more year round. Uh, I mean, in Nebraska's case, I mean, there's always somebody get a better facility, but obviously the um, the facility there that Alex Gordon um, helped fund, Erstad's also contributed to the facilities. Um, you can essentially play an indoor baseball game, um, the full infield, and there's it's netted for the outfield. Essentially, um, you know allows them to, to really be more competitive against Southern schools. There's been other systematic changes in baseball too, right? At some point in that that same time frame in the last ten years, they changed the RPI or now net rankings, where you got a more value about winning on the road um, than at home. And so with Big Ten teams playing so many games in the South for the first month of the season, essentially, uh, we can build up our kind of computer rankings. And that makes a difference at, at the end of the day when you're actually picking the, the field. So yeah, I, I would think- also... Just really quick one more thing, and then you can, you can add more questions is is the coaching right I mean the funding mm-hmm. goes to the facilities, but it's also got better coaching and retained coaching and I think the example of that is Eric Backage at Michigan, which easily could have went somewhere else. Tracy Smith, mm-hmm. when he had his run to Indiana, went to Arizona State. Backage is a state at Michigan and and that's a sign that Michigan is is you know giving him the salary that keeps him there.
2: Mm. It's amazing. Nebraska has Childress now, the guy that we were hoping yeah. to really get to two, three years ago when we got Bolt, um, to now have Childress here at, in the support role, really. I mean, director of baseball operations, not really even an assistant coach for Bolt there, but um, just it's awesome. It's great to have those kind of resources. And, and you know, I think back 10 years ago and just the Big Ten championship series being played in Oh, well, Indianapolis, I think, and Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and yeah. maybe yeah. Columbus, also. And it was mm-hmm. like being played in front of like five thousand people or ten thousand people for the Not whole even series. That. A couple, yeah, hundred like for, is what it felt like. Well, for like the whole series, though, like the whole yeah, yeah the total fair. number. Mm-hmm. And I, Dave, I'm sure it was you were with me, and maybe Boomer, I can't remember, but the the t- the title game at TD Ameritrade
1: against Indiana
2: against Indiana. I mean, we were there. What twenty? Twenty plus thousand people. I mean, I think it was a record for college baseball a championship game. Period. Yep, just that's right. in in the history of it, and to think that that's Big Ten. Now, of course, ninety percent of that is is people wearing red. But well, I guess Indiana wears red too. So, one hundred percent of us were.
0: Uh, Boomer, did we have <laughs> a, a question? uh we're really questions, but more comments. Uh, co-worker Eric, a big baseball fan, wanted to kind of. I don't know what Dave was saying, but, you know, Schwarber's Indiana squad and Michigan's great year really come to mind to help the big 10 outlook nationwide. So yeah. The conference. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. and there's
1: other things that can, can t- continue to change though, you know, I mean, if they would happen to push back the start of the season even further, which has been a discussion and Eric package and coach proposed that and had mm-hmm. quite a bit of support for it because, it could potentially not only benefit the northern schools, but actually even get better attendance of at the southern schools that already bring in mm-hmm. ten or twelve thousand people. But they could even have have bigger um, audiences and and more TV um, exposure if you started the season later and, and kind of get out of the shadow of March Madness. Um, and then there's uh, other. I mean, if you're really committed to baseball, you look at the SEC. There's this thing with baseball where, um, for various different reasons, uh, including uh, Title IX but also um, um, other other weird quirks in how scholarships work in, in certain uh, sports, uh, football not being one of them. But um, baseball is limited to 11.7 scholarships, um, which is ridiculous because Wilboldt mm-hmm. has like 35 players on his, on his uh, roster. So we're talking about, on average, about a third of your tuition being paid for. So a lot of these players are paying to play and um, – and that should change, um, first off, um, and, and make it more fair and equal um, across the athletic departments. Uh, but in the meantime, there's other, other schools in other states that find ways around that, right? The SEC is notoriously a baseball league, and they have all these different scholarship programs that help um, them fund scholarships for players through uh, need-based reasons. Um, which help them get, keep more of their players in state or, or whatnot. Right. And I mean, those are things that Nebraska and other big 10 schools aren't doing. So we're still so, playing at a disadvantage.
2: So Dave, how would, in, would NIL, I guess, play a role in this or how would that work?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that could be a really interesting thing for, especially Nebraska baseball, which I mean, Nebraska fans have proven that they're a top 10 a fan base in attendance, right? Uh, when we have a good team, we can average, you know, five, 6,000 people at Haymarket and have crowds of ex- excess of seven or eight on the big weekends, right? So uh, and, uh, I'm NIL money it could be a real real thing for Nebraska, just like it is for Nebraska volleyball, right? It's unique. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine there'd be, you know, a handful of other SEC schools um, that would have that type of advantage, but almost no one else in the Big Ten even comes close. So yeah, it, it could be a big deal. And to
2: your point, I mean, baseball here, our fan base, it's a real differentiator. It can be a real differentiator nationally from everything from recruiting and NIL. With this, we all know what sports are the money makers. You know, football is a money maker. Men's basketball nationally are money makers. But then when it gets to other sports, it's very hit and miss. You know, they're UConn women's basketball can be a moneymaker or, or some specific you know a baseball team down south might be a money lsu LSU. lsu state mm. well nebraska has shown in the past our baseball team has turned a profit and our volleyball team has turned a profit and those are two unusual sports for that to happen but it, it has happened some years not every year baseball is primed at nebraska now with bolt here too and the success and and to your point there dave the fan base showing up we started to see it last year. We started seeing it by the end of the season and because it took a little bit of a break for a while there. I mean, I, I remember what it was like, you know, during our college world series years and everything. I mean, it sure. was impossible. It felt like to get a ticket at, at Haymarket and it's starting to get that way again. And, and, uh, and I think this season there's, there's hype coming into it. I mean, we're talking about it right now in preseason here, you know, there's hype going into the year based off of uh, you know, how that team finished last year and then all the positive Momentum, Childress being back and being a part of it, um, yeah, I, I, I'm excited. I can't wait to see him. You know, start playing this week. Even though, even though I would rather see them start a month from now, I think this is ridiculously early. But, but hey, we're playing this week. Let's play.
1: Sure. Hey, Boomer.
0: I think we have uh, another comment or two on. Yeah. Uh, first chat. comment from uh, Ken. Uh, first asking what everyone's drinking tonight. Rob, pretty sure we know what you're what you're guzzling. Uh, hockey. That's... This is a uh, Bud Light next. I, I'm doing the whole
2: keto and all that stuff dave's wife katie she'd be very proud of me i was actually uh dming with her during the super bowl when i was seeing all these like no carb their slogan and- zero
1: carb zero flavor. <laughs> This,
2: like, I mean, it's super crisp, light beer, it says. Um, super I also they call that water honky.
1: <laughs> it, I bought, it's actually a beer flavored seltzer, Rob. That's
2: <laughs> yeah, it's negative 4% alcohol. So it's it's delicious. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm more awake today than right now than I before. It I has started. less
3: alcohol than my non-alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I also bought one of those like Michelob, uh, like a 12 pack of the Michelob Ultra seltzers that are supposed to be zero carb too. So Ken, mm-hmm. I don't know. That this might, you know, this might put me like in the, the the bad club or whatever that I'm drinking this, but uh Ken, this is what I'm I'm officially having here. Hey, hey Hawk,
1: you know how many carbs uh Bush Light has in it? I have no idea. Take a guess. Two. Three. Three. Does it? Three no. carbs. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know how much more the Bud Light next costs, but I'm just saying that Well, I'm t- 30
3: pack of you know, Bush Light can. Go you, and, ways to... you and I'm uh, trying to stand your third. You and hot a mess day, Husker so. can hang out and drink bush lights together. And That's I bet right. you that even has less carbs than Bud Light or whatever it is that you're drinking. I,
1: I'm, I'm drinking a, a classic a honky concoction called a Roman Coke. <laughs> 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 honky, would you maybe, like to explain you, that
2: one? What do you put in a Roman Coke?
1: <laughs> I don't know, Matt. Would you please elaborate? It,
2: so, back in my college years, I was at maybe Iguanas or you know, one of the places downtown and i was you know 21 i'm sure and and just i go up to I, in fact yeah i had just turned 21 so i was new to the bars and i'm talking to the to the bartender and i and i was asking for a roman coke number one and then i asked him what's in a or he no he asked me if i'd want a like a rum and coke and i i hear it as roman coke so i go well what's in a roman coke and he's like rum and coke and I, I i walked away from that going oh oh you know it dawned on me you know, the light bulb and Honky's head. I was like, oh, yeah, that that's why they must call it that. Um, but Roman Coke made total sense to me up until that point.
1: For the longest time, I'd like to actually... Boomer, you're the mixologist. You need to come up with a Roman Coke. I was
0: just thinking that. I'm going to have to come <laughs> up with something. So maybe I'll work on that for, for another show here. We'd have, uh, yeah. have
3: to have some kind of like an Italian... Like what? What is it? The um, maybe an, a nice aperol or something. Yeah, like yeah, like, aperol yeah, well, something type, on that. Yeah. What is it? Spritzer what is it? That, thing, that, yeah. that other stuff that's like the licorice flavored flavored stuff that they're always drinking over there. Um, ouzo oh, is Greek. If that's what you think. Well, no, yeah. no it's yeah. not ouzo but they have a they have the uh, the Italian version of that. I just can't remember off the top of my head right I've
2: now, had but. the Italian version of Jägermeister in Germany.
3: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs>
0: nope. That didn't taste good coming up. I'll tell you that. All right. Yeah. Uh, Ken yeah. says it's okay. He still respects you, honky. Kind of so i appreciate Uh, that ken boomer uh, co-worker eric also adds that uh three carbs adds up when you throw back a 30 pack so keep that in mind that's that's, right that's not uh, how
3: math works
2: uh be done but boomer as long as you call it honky's roman coke when you make that drink oh we will yeah i'd appreciate that that'll
1: help and uh, i can imagine the logo right now with honky and a toga you
0: know Mm. um graphics uh design swobes could have a lot of fun with this i'm not sure anyone would want to see that but why not Mm. so And then a coworker Eric brought up another uh, interesting point for baseball, uh, possibly adding that additional paid assistant to the staff, because I believe what is it Mm -hmm. now they're limited to two paid assistants by NCAA rules and you can have a third volunteer that volunteer can't recruit. And I know this was a proposal that uh, I think they voted on 2019 ish. Yeah, 2018-ish, somewhere around there. I know the SEC proposed it, but the Big Ten was one of the Power Five conferences that voted it down for whatever reasons. I, I know the Big Ten is strapped for cash, and they just would have a hard time finding an extra money to pay for one additional coach to be able to go out and recruit and yeah, work makes in no baseball. Sense the that, that would be Ten. something I'd like to see the
3: conference reconsider when if it comes up again. Sambuca. That's okay, what there we go. Sambuca. Yeah, that's good. So you got to do something like – coke and rum and sambuca or something back on
0: that now okay sorry i just (laughs) the
3: light bulb went off in rob's
0: head there so it it usually takes
3: a few minutes it's like a fluorescent light it takes a while to warm up so
1: with the uh the paid assistant thing i mean chris ledbetter is i think director of baseball operations or something like that And, and and he was the one that was trying to be that third assistant a paid assistant essentially um he's still with the program though fortunately but i mean i i one of the problems that that highlights and it's odd that the big 10 is the one that voted against that, but um, you know, the NCAA at the division one level of baseball has 340 programs or something like that, very similar to the basketball number. And so you have a bunch of baseball programs that do not have the operating budgets that uh, on Nebraska or um, any of the SEC schools do. And so, I mean, maybe that it makes sense to them, but I mean, again, you're regulating across two completely different financial models that uh, it just simply needs to change there's a really interesting uh, YouTube uh, I found it on YouTube it's a documentary called uneven and it, it lays out all the reasons why um, they need to fix college baseball essentially
0: with this uh, scholarship issue and and other things so it's uh, worth the worth the watch Well, I'm sure that third assistant was just totally out of Wisconsin's budget too. So they decided to push. (laughs) They've been saving for years. They have been. Yep. All
1: right, Hawk. Is there other, uh, other questions? Well,
2: yeah. So, I mean, we talked about some of the, the expectations. Uh, Coworker Eric had, had a question about, I mentioned who the rotation is going to be this weekend, but he said the baseball team will have to fill two of the three open weekend starting spots. Who do you look to fill those spots? And uh, obviously we, we talked about who those four are for this weekend, but talk a little bit about uh, the starting pitchers, the bullpen. Um, I know Bolt, uh, he was talking about Kobe Gomes, who's probably going to begin the season as the, as the closer. Uh, Dave, what does the pitching look like for Nebraska uh, as we start this season?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's no surprise that uh, Kyle Perry is kind of, you know, at least perceived as the initial ace of the staff um a lot of experience there uh coming back from Tommy John surgery but a lot in these day and ages that's actually seems to be a positive they usually come back stronger than ever so it's hopefully uh that's the case with with Kyle uh, a lot of promise earlier in his career though and and I think you have to be optimistic there i think the other other two spots um Shannon makes a lot of sense he was our sunday starter um but then you know it it'll be interesting to see how this plays out over the course of the year um Keep in mind we have uh, Drew Cristo uh, on the roster, and Drew, uh, very highly regarded um, baseball prospect, uh, easily could have um, chose to go in in the major league uh, draft. He was drafted, um, but I, late enough that he obviously chose to stay at, at Nebraska, um, and that was a, a bit of a surprise. Actually, I think he was kind of generally considered a top 250 type draft pick and um fell way behind that because he likely told told um uh professional teams that you know if they weren't going to hit a certain number he was going to go to Nebraska and sure enough here he is so we have him for three years and he's -hmm. 6'4 230 um throws heat has multiple pitches he can throw and I think I could likely see him being a weekend starter by by the end of the season, if not earlier. That's exactly what I was going
2: to ask. How do you, if you were coaching him, if you're the pitching coach, I mean, how do you work him, a player like that true freshman in, how do you work him in over the course of the season? What do you expect this weekend out of him and
1: then down the line? Well, um, I'm not, not the expert there, but you do have Rob Childress on staff now. So. Doesn't hurt. (laughs) That does not hurt. Rob is one of the best pitching coaches in all of college baseball. And he has been for over two decades um, and has sent a lot of his pitchers to the major leagues, um, and so Drew Chris is in good hands with that coaching staff. Um, so I, I'll, I'll trust what they're going to do with him. Absolutely want to break him in, but he, I mean, uh, you know, you're not going to want to throw somebody's arm off anyway. So I mean, I think they're just going to mm-hmm. try to take this easy, get him comfortable uh, with the surroundings, and see where he can go. But his stuff is electric and um, could mm-hmm. really be a huge asset as the season goes on. You mentioned mm-hmm. Colby Gomes. Um, who was out last year and he's coming back and uh, you know, he had a great stuff on his fastball, just not enough movement on it. I'll be really intrigued to see what that looks like coming back um, with the year off um, because we'll need that closer because uh, Spencer Schwambach obviously is off to, to the pros.
2: Mm. And,
1: and you mentioned tr- Childress.
2: I, I called him, I think the director of operations earlier, he's the current director of player
1: development for, for NU. That's his role this year. Yeah, so he's not the official pitching coach, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, that's uh Christy, right? Um, but both Christy and Bolt um have strong connections to the Childress, and um, Rob will
3: be, will be right there,
1: I think. So yeah, I'm sure he'll be able to help out just fine. <laughs>
3: yeah, Dave, do you see him? Do you see them too? Because as, as you're saying, like limited innings, and and you know, obviously not throwing his arm out, we got him for three years do you see them maybe trying to work him in as like a setup role, something along those lines? And and again, I'm more of like a major league baseball kind of guy and, and the college baseball game for me has just kind of been slowly coming to me the last couple of years, watching a little bit more of it here and there. So do they really have those sort of roles? I mean, or yeah, mean coming absolutely. in for long relief, like, could you see this kid like pitching, maybe seeing him two, three times during a weekend, only putting in maybe, you know, two or three innings worth of work or. How do you see that? it's
1: it's quite possible. I mean we we have have had Nebraska uh, pitchers take on that role. I mean most famously against us last year, the Arkansas, the Arkansas um, game, yeah. long reliever essentially pitched um, you know well over half of their innings and ultimately they kind of uh, bit them but um, it definitely is, is happening at the college level where you're going to have hold guys essentially, and you're going to have a kind of a long relief uh, team as well. Um, yeah. I mean, they could start them there. They could start them at, at a midweek starter at some point where you start them against, you know, two on a Tuesday or Wednesday versus uh, a non-con. And then you kind of just kind of build from there. I think. Um, I just think he's too talented to keep him off um, the pitching mound for that long. I, I think he's going to prove his worth um, sooner than later.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, something Rob brought up before we were recording, he was just looking at the roster, and we talk about this in football all the time, the in-state talent. And we've talked about it in basketball, how we've missed on a lot of in-state talent the last few years. But baseball, Bolt made a point of that. When, well, hell, when he was at AM, he would recruit some of our in-state talent down there at AM. But he made a point when he came here saying, we're going to recruit local. And Christo being just one of the examples, the amount of in-state talent that's on this team, I mean, that is – This is a team that, you know, we're going to be favored to, you know, be at the top of the Big Ten conference. And there's a lot of Nebraska kids on there. That's got to make you excited.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're going to see a lot of uh, young guys out there, you know, I mean, I mean, it's exciting to see Nebraska, you know, being picked likely to win the Big Ten, um, having top 25, top 30 type spots in some of these preseason polls. There was a lot of changeover, though, right, though? I mean, we already mentioned uh, Spencer Schwellenbach, which was uh, Big 12 Player of the Year and, mm-hmm. and the best closer we've had in a long time. Uh, guys like Joe Acker, Jackson Hallmark, Mojo haggy I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, we had a lot of talented guys out there that had a lot of experience because of the extra COVID year, too, right? Um, but because of the kind of the extra COVID year, we do have, have quite a bit of respect um, experience returning, just not maybe quite as much starting experience. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see how that, that transitions, but yeah, I think you're right, honk. I mean, the, the local talent is evident. Um, we've been losing some of our best players to other baseball schools for not just, not just to Texas A&M, but for decades, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, it goes back to Kyle Peterson going to Stanford and, and, uh, all that type of stuff. Right. And so, now, the more we can keep in here, the better off we are. And the strengths of of when Nebraska was at its peak was we had a lot of a lot of good local talent.
3: So well, some of these guys even went to other schools out of high school and then came back, didn't they, Dave? Yeah, know, absolutely. And we'll both done a good job of trying to get some of those guys back.
1: Um, you know, Kate Povich last year was a great example of that, uh, ultimately being our Friday night starter, but um wasn't really recruited uh, at, to Nebraska, went to Arizona JUCO and, and comes back up and has a Phenomenal season and gets picked um, top 100 last year um, ahead of – I'm forgetting the Arkansas pitcher's name, Cops. Is that right? Yeah. He got picked – he picked uh, one spot ahead of uh, a Cops. So, Kevin Cops. So,
3: yeah. Well, whoever watched that game obviously saw something in him, right? So, maybe you can give Cops credit, you know, for getting drafted a little bit higher because (laughs) – yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, and it's fifty percent of the roster or so is is all from Nebraska on here. Sure. Well, I mean,
1: it helps. Keep in mind, eleven point seven scholarships. It helps to be an in state because you're paying less for tuition. You're spreading that eleven point seven around. If you can pay in state, you're, you're and and they're closer to home. All that type of stuff. Maybe even from Lincoln, you're cutting significant costs away, right? You know, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, we do have I a Canadian though, honk. I, don't know if you I saw, saw that. that he's from Wyoming, Ontario. Yeah, yeah. Um, first the border name. from California, Quebec. So,
1: <laughs> but we've had a lot of success with Canadians, honk. If you remember, right? Well, I've um, been to
3: Wyoming, Illinois before. Adam
1: so. Stern, uh, John Cole, I think uh, both of them were were uh, Canadians that uh, saw the College World Series. So, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> um. So, Dave, I guess maybe
2: to close this out here, this weekend then, what's your expectations for these first four games? I mean, where do you think mm. – where, where are we standing, you know, seven days from now? What would what would be – what what's good, reasonable, what would be bad?
3: <laughs> four yeah, now undefeated. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs>
3: I, I would say to
1: temper your expectations uh, for the first couple of weeks, uh, not that I don't think this team could be really good, um, but in a more traditional – Scheduling set up here. Uh, Sam Houston State has been practicing outdoors for as long as they could, um, and um, just are probably more in game shape uh, from that perspective than Nebraska. Um, I'd love to see us go four and zero, Rob, um, mm-hmm. but I would I would take two and two uh, just as well. I think you just got to be able to um kind of just get warmed up here a little bit i mean they should be more talented than sam houston state but sam houston state i mean all those schools down the south play good baseball so i wouldn't uh, look look past them at all and then you have tc right after that and tc's uh ranked um they've been down a little bit at times but um they've uh have uh you know a really good tradition over there the last you know two decades so i mean it's a tough two weeks to to get going. But I think you just got to knock off the rust and um, really try to uh, build momentum uh, for March when we have a really long homestand. Hopefully there's some good weather there and, and you can start collecting some wins before you get to conference.
3: Yeah. Coworker Eric actually commented on YouTube too and said, uh, need to go at least three and one. And if I wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid, I would probably agree with him there three and ones a, a, would be a really good start to the season. I'll take two and um, two. And, and Ken, Ken McCone, I think that's how you say his name. He, he asked and and he asked if we were going to be bowl eligible by Monday. <laughs> 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 he, <laughs> so um, I, I don't know where he's getting that from, even though I, I did ask Kevin Williams, um, what a realistic expectation one be, was because I told him bowl eligible by week seven, week latest week eight and he agreed with me and said that that was actually a realistic expectation to have. So, you know, the players are drinking the Kool-Aid too. Just saying. Not during practice. We hope. Oh, hopefully yeah. no yeah. Gatorade. Hopefully. And hopefully Ken Powerade Kesey has nothing to do with any of it as I'm sitting here in my grateful dead shirt. So anyway,
1: I, I, I just want to say that, I mean, some of our best teams under Erstad, even before with under Anderson, uh, had had as uh, haven't always come out of the gate on fire. Um, mm-hmm. It's tough because you go down and play in Texas or Arizona or Florida or whatever, and you're playing teams that have are in midseason form, right? Yep. And typically, it takes a little bit longer for us to get going. It's not that we sh- shouldn't beat uh, Santa and Houston State three times out of four. It's just they have an advantage right now. Against yeah. State,
2: so. Well, didn't we have like San Diego state even scheduled to come to Lincoln like in March and then they backed out of it just like a month or two ago. And, you know, so we were trying to get teams, Southern teams to come up here early in the season, but that's hard to do. And yeah. as, as I recall pre COVID the, the year or two prior to it, we actually had like Arizona state come here for a series in May right at the very end of the season and i mm-hmm. want to even say maybe baylor maybe did that too or we were trying to schedule that i don't know if it was a,
1: yep, a yeah Yeah.
2: so i mean the, the idea of you, you got to get creative a little bit with scheduling it's it's hard to get teams to come up here to hawks field when i mean even a month from now you can't always tell if you're going to be able to actually play or not <laughs> i mean that's yeah that yeah think I, so
1: especially early i think it's easier to get them to come up here later in the year because mm-hmm teams that aspire to make the College World Series like taking the trip, right? They like flying into Omaha, um, driving by the stadium, doing all those type of things. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it kind of, from a motivational and just from a familiarity standpoint, they see a, an advantage to that. So, um, But it is tough to get teams to come up um, in the month of March, because not only is it potentially cold there's a weather factor there where they may not even get the game in right and it seems risky to them so
3: but we're the san diego of the big 10 dave
1: well often, often we are you're right i mean trust me i've been to games in march when it's it's been 70 degrees i've also been to games in march when it was 32 so
3: yep yeah i mean that's colorado too I mean, I've seen opening. That, that's day. why there's not
1: a lot of college baseball played in Colorado. I was gonna say,
3: yeah, the, the what opening day for the Rockies? It, there was snow on the ground one year. So yes, I remember that. Yeah, it was like last year. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I was at the game last year. Robert, it was beautiful out. <laughs>
2: Oh, Rob doesn't remember last year. That's no, he he's, he's last, got his Grateful Dead shirt on.
3: The last, the last three years have been the same year, so I don't.
0: That ain't just Kool-Aid. So, we'll
1: see if, if actually you know. I have opening day at, at Coors Field this year. The way the Major League Baseball negotiations
3: are going. So. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I'm focusing so much on college and trying to pick up on that game right now. So
1: speaking a little bit of hockey. Um, so the, our first game against Sam Houston State apparently is on ESPN Plus. Um, so if you subscribe to ESPN Plus or at the Disney package or whatever, you can actually watch that game on Friday. Um, there is a slight chance, I would say, that if for some reason Major League Baseball does not start their season on time, ESPN may start to look for content. This happened mm-hmm. a decade or so ago, when the yeah. NHL got locked out, and there was a bunch of extra baseball games on on. And yeah, so Nebraska played
2: when Nebraska played Texas one time. Johnny yep. Dorn was pitching, and that was on ESPN. The, the flagship station it was on
1: ESPN yeah, One when they just like didn't a Friday have any, night. any NHL which was a big part of their contract at the time mm-hmm.
3: well one of the things that ESPN Plus has been doing this year too with with um, not only with college football which obviously it seemed like every game was on ESPN Plus at one point or you know the the Hula, um, college basketball is the same way like unc what they do they just stream the game from wherever they are and espn picks it up you're talking about northern colorado not UNC, northern colorado not, UNC, not, UNC, north carolina. not north carolina but unc northern colorado um they're they're streaming every basketball game in, on espn plus you can yeah, just well, go on that there and won't watch be one well, so it would so be nebraska
1: typically is not on ES, espn plus once it goes into conference yeah because all the conference games are going to be big 10 plus
3: yeah of course and and you know so make sure you get your subscriptions now because there's probably a deal but um yeah but uh, my point is is that some of these um, non-con games they could start streaming them all on espn plus too because it's because all they need to do is just pick up a stream right and i mean really oh, it's and, all and local the, the right and, it, and it's yeah. all yeah and it's all local content too like some like there's stuff for local restaurants from Greeley being advertised on these games it's it's hilarious it's it's but it's still there <laughs> it's like one camera you can see like panning back and forth it's an ad sales guy. guy's dream really and it's Greeley so it's probably some guy with like a VHS recorder really just standing there on it with it on his shoulder so
0: really known for its fine dining Rob
3: um, we're really known for the Mexican food here I'm not gonna lie it's some of the best I've ever had
1: they have a famous Mexican restaurant called the Rio. You
3: know? Well, that's not Mexican food to have. That's Tex-Mex. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Run. Yeah. Um, Let's Green move chili.
1: on. Anything <laughs> yeah. else we want to talk about baseball?
2: I, I think we've covered baseball pretty well for this week. I, I'm looking forward to, to talking about it next week and, and talking about the, the games in, in reverse and actually be able to, to talk about some, some, some baseball there. So, uh, Anyways, go big red this weekend. Hopefully, we can get to that 3 and 1 4-0, you know, that would be that would be wonderful. Hopefully, we're talking about that next week.
1: Yes. All right, guys, uh let's get out of here with some parting shots, and I will start with Boomer
0: Well, first off, I guess I would just like to uh, borrow from local media host uh, Jack Mitchell when uh, referring to uh, Husker women's basketball. I hope you all got to watch them basically dismantle uh, top 10 Indiana the the last day. And uh, when it comes to uh, the the AP poll, just rank them, you cowards. I mean, for goodness (laughs) sakes, what do they have to do? I mean... They played great. They're looking good. Uh, Finish off the rest of the the season. If you haven't watched the Husker women play, please do. You still got some games left, and we should be looking good to to make the NCAA tournament. So
3: hats off to them this season.
0: That would be awesome. All right, Rob, what do you got?
3: Well, since yesterday was Valentine's Day, I just want to say a little poem, and that would be, Huskers are red, Husker football makes me blue, but I'll keep on drinking Kool-Aid. Redcast Nation, I love you.
1: Is that a haiku, Rob? Or
3: an That's more one? math, Dave. And I, I barely even a sonnet, that. Dave. I don't know. Yeah. It Might have been a sonnet. Good point, boomer. Right? Yeah. Should've I don't think it's five seven five. I I didn't count that. So I, I... Right um all right hockey please get us out of here
2: yeah um boomer already hit mine with the, the women's basketball team and yes won we last stole night. a honky hot
0: take for a change <laughs> neat
2: <laughs> and they've destroyed two top 10 teams ranked this damn team already um want to give a congrats to former husker quarterback joe daly he's moving up the coaching ranks uh uh going to the carolina panthers uh, he was at boston college as a wide receiver coach um paul feinbaum today i can't believe i'm going to say this but I agree with something Paul Feinbaum uh, said and Huskies had tweeted this thing out. I think it was from today. I don't know if they were tweeting an old video, but Feinbaum was asked uh, the greatest team of all time. And he said the 1995 Huskers. And so uh, it makes me throw up in my mouth to say this, but I agree with Paul Feinbaum. Uh, And last but not least, uh, starting tomorrow, February 16th at noon and through February 17th at noon, uh Nebraska in you has the Glow Big Red 24 hours of giving. Uh you can go to glowbigred.unl.edu. You can uh give to a number of different great uh uh organizations and, and everything that go on within the university. Uh, you know, we're big on supporting, obviously for obvious reasons here, we're big on supporting the University of Nebraska uh across all of its academic and athletic functions. And uh this is a great way of doing it. So Redcasters, you always show up strong and And do it tomorrow if you can. Glow Big Red.
1: All right. Great stuff, guys. Great stuff. For now, let's call that a Go Big Red cast. Go Big Red. GBR.
2: A Media Production.